Hey, genius, you call these seats? I can't see nothing from up here. You said you wanted cheap seats. Yeah, 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 cheap, but not Mount Everest. I mean, I can see the ocean from up here, but I can't even see home plate. Long afternoon, folks, here in the bottom of the ninth. Two outs, two strikes, three balls, and one lonely man on second in this 3-4 game. This is going to be it. Here's the windup and the pitch. And a hit! It's going up! Up! And it's out of here! It's really the work of Homer! That's win! Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Cheap Seats. Your favorite podcast for frank, unapologetic, and shamelessly opinionated Washington National News. Outside the press box, the dugout, and the stadium urinals. We have a very special treat today, Nats fans. I'm very pleased to introduce, via Skype, our first official ongoing guest correspondent for the podcast. Leonardo from Manhattan, a very avid Mets fan. Welcome to the Cheap Seats Podcast, Leonardo. Thank you very much, Thad. Happy to be here. Um, I'm Leonardo from Manhattan, uh, a fairly regular caller on WFAN. That's how I got my name. But a uh, big-time Mets fan, know a lot about the team. And I think most importantly, I hate the Nationals. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to – I really never liked the Nationals. And um, I liked them more when they were the Expos. Uh, of course, they had Gary Carter, who we hold near and dear. But ever since they became wow, the Nationals, I uh, yeah, I never uh, really liked. I never liked the team. I never liked the stadium. I didn't even like the food at the stadium. So I'm happy to uh, be a contributor here. So let's get into the last three game series against the Nats on your own home turf. So your boys shamed us uh, with a shutout on our home opener, and then we returned the favor on your home opener. But it was kind of a mixed series, so uh, even though we got two and you got one, I'm sure you have comments on on how the series went. Yeah, um, I was very surprised that the Nationals were able to pull out two. Although in kind of a fucked up way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you definitely uh, need some bullpen work. you know, I was at the game today. It was the J- Jacob Degrom bobblehead doll. Uh, ah. It was, uh, it, you know, it was about sixty degrees in a nice sunny day, and the place was packed. I think it was close to a sellout. Um, you know, we almost came back today, but you know, Max is is very tough to beat. Let's face it. I mean, I think that's one of the few bright spots in the pitching rotation, and Corbin actually is pretty good too. Um, but I think some of your – you have like two or three young players, but I think some of the other people are aging. But I'd really rather talk about the Mets, and I think right. um, this was just a small bump in the road, losing two out of three. Uh, you know, Steven Matz was, uh, I think, stellar. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with Steven, uh, the earlier part of his career, um, he would go to a hospital for special surgery basically every time he sneezed or kind of uh, took a step. He was so injury-prone. When they took the team photo of him, it came out as an Um, (laughs) X-ray. So that's sort of like our Strasburg. There you go, yes. Which we call Mold Boy, affectionately. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think, you know, 
the sad thing about yesterday with Stephen was, you know, kind of singing along. He did. He did well. He came out like uh, like he did years ago, and and just got it done for once, and went and went seven innings. Seven innings, my God. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. So I think uh, you know yesterday's game. You know the bullpen definitely. You know your terrible bullpen helped us, but I think you know we had some timely hitting. Even Matt's uh, pitching, and we got you know Diaz is a great closer, so we were happy to get that that uh, that game. We have off tomorrow, and then I I think we have Minnesota coming up. I got to look. Yeah, I think we face you guys again on May fourteenth. We have a series. Yes, I know. There's thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So Mets and Nats have thirteen games in uh, in April and May. So what is it? Two. Uh, three for the Nats and four for the uh, four for the Mets, I believe, or five. You know, I wish I could say it was a nice rivalry, but you know, the Philly New York rivalry is 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 much more heated, much more I think uh, vitriol in that, and I just don't see you know from a New York perspective. Yeah, when you had Bryce Harper, maybe you had a little bit more personality. Of course, we had Daniel Murphy, but I I'm trying to see if the Nats are like have any type of personality at all <laughs> well now that we've uh, you know we've lost all the guys who were who had personality we've lost Bryce we've lost worth we had this very charismatic manager Dusty Baker who is a legend in you know in his own right and and now we really don't have a lot of personality people that we may have talent yeah I would agree. I was a big Dusty Baker fan I actually um, you know, and even when Davey Johnson managed your team, I was, you know, even he brought us a, a World Series. I've read a couple of books about that team, and there are many who would say that the Mets won the 86 series despite Davey Johnson. Hmm. Uh, and it was probably one of the worst managed World Series on both sides, uh, the American National League. Now, Davey, I think, that, you know, let's be honest here, uh, that 86 team, Mets, Team won 108 games. You and I probably could have managed them to 98 games, quite frankly, if not 100. Uh, you know, to manage Dwight Gooden, you arguably had the uh, best pitcher in the league, one of the best catchers in the league, one of the best home run hitters in the league, and Daryl Strawberry. You had a, you know, you had Bob Ojeda, you had Ron Darling, you had uh, such a great team. But I think Davey Johnson, um, you know, what I'd like to remember him for, quite honestly is him making the last out in the 1969 World Series where the Mets beat the Baltimore Orioles uh, four games to one. Okay, so you have uh, so you guys have been around since 1962, and yes. in that time, you've appeared in five World Series, and you've won it one time. Was that 69? Uh, we won it in 69 and 86. Oh, and 86, so you've won it twice. You know? I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Okay, okay. You know, the Nationals are a relatively young team by comparison. 15 years, right. this is 15 year, And we've never been in the World Series. We've been in the playoffs, never been in the World Series with Bryce or without him. I mean, you guys are a story team, a story team. Well, we've had our share of disappointment, too. Um, you know, if you look at our overall record, you know, we're, we're still well under 500. And I think... That the Seaver trade, and you know whether you believe in an almighty power or not, I and do, I do believe in a higher power than ourselves. Um, I believe that God let the '86 team win, 
and I think he might have been doing something, he might have been preoccupied, because I truly think that uh, Seaver being traded from this team cursed the team for years and years to come. And I think one evidence of that, part of the evidence is that, is that that 86 team, by almost everybody's account, should have won a few more World Series. They had such a great team, and then people were doing drugs. You had Doc with his uh, drug problem. You had Daryl Strawberry snorting cocaine. You, know, you had a lot of things that went wrong on that team. They were able to get one team, one World Series, but as Met fans, we do treasure um, that team for what they did, at least for that one year. So, I, you know, I also wanted to ask you, um, because only New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles have two major league ball clubs in their city. And each of those six teams have won the World Series one or more times in recent decades. So from someone who's in a city with just one team, which most people are, what is it like to live in a divided city? And how do local fans in New York decide which team to give their love to? That's a great, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, the Yankees have been around since, you know, the beginning of time, yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, I think it's split up a little bit geographically and a little bit politically. Um, so, so Manhattan versus the other boroughs? Or? Manhattan, I think, is equally split. Staten Island, uh, being a little bit more Republican, tends to go more for Yankees. Older people, see, old, Yankees attract both old and young, but people from Long Island, or as uh, my sister would say, Long Island, uh, in her accent with her heavy accent, sorry, Anne-Marie, um, tends to be Mets fans because Queens is very close to there. Um, and, you know, the Mets have always played second fiddle with the exception of that 80, you know, from that mid-80s when Doc, Strawberry, Carter, Hernandez comes over to the team. That was their opportunity to take the, the city for years and years to come. But then you have this uh, gentleman called uh, Derek Cheater. Uh, come along and kind of wins the hearts of many with four or five uh, World Series. But um, I think there was a poll. I think it was a Pew poll, believe it or not. It must have been slow one day. But I think they had it at about 57, 58% of New York going for the Yankees and a little bit, you know, the remainder going for the Mets. I was just looking at the stats today. I think the, the Nats and the Mets both had an equal number of strikeouts and hits, which is another discussion we can go into another time. You got to have more hits in this game than strikeouts. You can't. I mean, there's too many strikeouts in the game. And I think that's why, uh, you know, some of the ratings I believe are starting to go down because you need more action in this game just rather than a home run or a strikeout. Well, the other thing that, that we've discussed on this podcast a lot is the length of time these games go, especially NAS games. So there was that there was that whole discussion about a pitch clock. And yep. trying to get the games under three hours, two and a half, ideally. And yet, uh, anytime the Nats play, it seems like it's three and a half to four <laughs> hours. Like, oh my God, bring in the pitch clock, please. And they're only nine inning games. It's not like they went to 14 innings or something. So why does that have to be four or five hours? It was probably, you know, they're, they're, they're throwing a lot of different pitchers out there. Yeah. I heard an interview with Joe Girardi, and he kind of said something interesting. He's like, I don't think it's the length of the games. It's the action in the games. Nobody, you know, if, if the ball's in play, I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch a game for five hours. You know, if there's a lot of hits, and good plays. But if it's, you know, a strikeout or a home run, and then infinite pitching changes, uh, you know, as the late Joan Rivers once said, "Gag me with a spoon." Let me get out of there. 
but also the hitters, you know, who step outside the box. They just adjusted all the Velcro, their gloves, their legs. Their Bryce Harper was famous for this. Well, you may remember, I think there was a, a player on the White Sox called Mike Harbaugh. Uh, he would make Bryce Harper look very quick. He was uh, oh, really? referred to as the human rain delay. It took him so long. And yes, we can put men on the moon and hopefully a woman one day, but they can't seem to invent Velcro that will stay tight for more than seven seconds. That is the gravity of the world. So I also wanted to ask you this. So I know yep. the Phillies are not your team. They're not ours, but they are our deadly competitors in our division this year. You are no doubt aware that our one-time star slugger Bryce Harper, the $330 million man, has yes. switched sides for the Nats. Do you have any thoughts on that? At first, I was. it didn't bother me that he went to the Phillies because you know he does have a fairly nice history of pulling a hamstring or you know having something wrong with his shoulder or his arm or his foot. But he has gotten off to a great start. You know, I think he's got... I'm not sure how his head fits through the doors at the stadium. Uh, maybe they had to widen the, the doors at, in the Philadelphia Stadium. And the Take him through the loading they, dock, folks. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, Philly fans are notorious for several things. Uh, they have pelted Santa Claus with uh, D-sized batteries. Um, they get arrested and ruin their town every time they attempt to win any type of championship um and they're notorious violent and rude people so my feeling is that you know bryce will feel right at home but you know it, it may not be all his fault i think you know from a young age he was coddled he was and played up to it and we you know the same mistake was made with daryl strawberry in the 80s and you know what until you're great you got to treat everybody the same and and you gotta they have to be part of the team have to be part of the team they have to think about the team and i just don't see any type of team attitude from bryce certainly got wonderful god-given gifts and qualities but i think you know let, i hope that both of us live uh to see him finish his career and five years past it if i had to bet if i had to make a wager i would say he's going to miss the hall of fame after his career you think so really? i don't see him I mean, either being healthy enough or, you know, maybe... I mean, he's already been an MVP once. He's been a six-time All-Star. He won the Home Run Derby last year. He's done 50 yeah. home runs well, in a year. You're right. You're right. Well, if you look at the first five years of David Wright's career, yeah. and you say to yourself, and you, it's almost a simple... Now, David was the opposite. Uh, compassionate, warm, friendly, team player. First of all, they're better than uh, Bryce's number one. And all you have to say is, wow, if I can just... If he can just string another five like that, and then another five that are kind of 60% as good, sign him up to the Hall of Fame. But you know what? It's a very hard thing to do. We, uh, you know, we only about 33,000, 34,000. I tell you, there's not a bad seat in the house. And we got, you know, great but your food. stadium is beautiful. I was just watching it on yeah. uh, Masson the other day. I mean, uh, it looks like the lobby of the fucking Trump Tower in there. You know, I mean, the, the Frank yeah, Robinson lobby. What I mean, it just looks like a shopping mall or Beverly Hills or something like that. Our stadium looks like every other stadium I've ever seen. Concrete, 
wooden chairs. I mean, it, I have no problem with it, you know, but not like yours has like these beautiful escalators and, you know, spotlights and carpeting. And I'm like, holy shit, the city banks thing. <laughs> they spared no expense, man. Well, it's just... it was, uh, it, it, it is a nice state. You know, it's, it's uh, modeled after Ebbets Field. The criticism okay. initially was when the stadium first opened, um, there were about two Mets posters in the whole stadium. People thought it was a Brooklyn Dodgers stadium, and a lot of Mets were upset. There was no posters of, uh, you know, no murals of Seaver or Kuzman or, you know, Hernandez. And then, you know, uh, our ownership, uh, the Wilpons, who have been, uh, you know, controversial, but, you know, they kind of forgot that, oh, we own the Mets. Let's put some Mets stuff up there. So they did that pretty quick. They're like, oh, you know, like I could have had a V8, right? Like, oh, I own the Mets. So now there's a lot of Mets kind of paraphernalia and plaques and murals. And we are uh, erecting a, or there is going to be a Tom Seaver statue uh, shortly. Uh, I, I know sometime this year it's coming, which I think um, is long overdue there. And, uh, you know, what's really, really nice is uh, just that they allow us to pay $8 for a 32-ounce bottle of Evian water. I mean, I feel very <laughs> grateful. <laughs> Actually, that sounds bad. I think it's $10 in the Nance Park. And it's <laughs> well, not even Evian, it's Deer Park. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm really hoping for is... You know, more losses for the Nats and more more wins for the Mets, basically to sum everything up. Right. So, well, <laughs> so that would be yeah, obviously. So, I mean, that, you know, that's what we're here. We want we want you to be the avid Mets fan that you are. But you know, I was looking at all the Vegas stuff, and most people are putting either the Mets or the Phillies as the division leader, and the Nats maybe as a wild card slot. What do you think? Yeah, I see this. I see. The Nats struggling to get 75 wins. Oh, uh, okay. Wow, you don't uh, think they'll hit 75? Because last year they got, they just kissed over 500, even though they didn't uh, obviously not win the division. Yeah, and I was like, you know, Dave Martinez, you know, I just, I'm not sure. You know, he sat next to, uh, what, the Cubs manager for many years. Yep. He kind of learned from He's the longest serving bench manager in modern baseball history. Sure, and let's, uh, you and I have an exercise Let's name all the, the, the all of Bill Belichick assistant coaches who've gone on to, to, to coach head coach in the NFL and have won Super Bowls. I think it's zero. It's one. So it uh, makes sense that he would be eventually promoted, but he certainly didn't live up to expectations last year in this market. After yeah, they had I, basically fired Dusty Baker, who had taken them to the playoffs twice in a row. He only had a two-year contract. Absolutely. And once you get into the playoffs, it really is kind of a crapshoot. You know, a a hop here. But Dusty, I mean, you know, he's the type of manager that a team can have a personality around. I just don't, you know, I'm sure Dave's a nice man. um, Everybody says that. Everybody, we always talk about that. Everybody goes, you know what? He's such a nice guy. He could babysit my kids. Yeah, but can he manage a baseball team? It's like, right. well, I, I right. Don't know. So, uh, yeah, so we'll say, hey, you know, the Mets have always done best when they were underdogs. So, whenever we're, except for that 86 team, because they were just stacked. I mean, they were stacked. But we'll see, you know, we got a lot of hitting and we got a lot of good starting pitching. We have some decent uh, relief. What do, you, what do you reach your chances at this year for uh, winning the division? I mean, go ahead and give me the division in order. 
Uh, let's see. I would say, you know, I don't want to give the Phillies a division just yet. Uh, I think the Braves played about two months, so far over their head last year that their nose is still bleeding. So I will say that. I'll go from the bottom to the top. I'll go Marlins. Okay. Marlins five. Marlins, Braves, Nats. Braves and four. Nats and three. And then I'm going to, it's going to toss up between the Phils. You know, they play in that shoebox. I mean, it really, it should be illegal, that stadium. It's just so small. Oh, so you're saying it's easy to get an HR there? Yeah, yeah. But I think I can see the Phils, you know, battling it out with the Mets, and I can't wait till they start playing each other, uh, you know, head to head. Well, it's going to be a nice long season, and yep. I hope you will uh, stay with us as our Mets correspondent. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me, and you know, let's go Mets, baby. <laughs> let's go Nets. <laughs> All right, folks, from the right. cheap seats, official guest correspondent Leonardo from Manhattan. Yes, yes. sir. Yes.